Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public Today. In current events from a Christian perspective, Disney CEO claims they do not promote LGBT at all, yet their own people say otherwise. Meanwhile, Snow White is, well, not Snow White anymore, and also the Seven Dwarves are just seven people? We'll take a short dive into fairy tales and what they actually are supposed to teach us and then what Disney is doing with them. Meanwhile, we see that the newest woman winner of the Miss Netherlands competition, part of the Miss Universe, is a man. No big sharker there, I guess. But we will also talk about the Sound of Freedom movie controversy. All this and more today. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and I really appreciate you stopping by. Your time is valuable, and I will try to honor that. I just like to bring these current events to you from a Christian perspective so that you can know how to go out into this world and live like a Christian rather than live like the culture. As Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. We don't want to look like the world. We don't want to look like everybody else. But in order to do that, we need to figure out what it means to look like a Christian. And this world, this culture, the social media, it's not helping in any way. So I will try to bring you biblical advice, biblical resources to help you get through that uh, from a theological perspective. As always, you don't have to believe me or listen to me. I'm going to refer back to the Bible as much as I possibly can, but you should be also reading your Bible as much as you possibly can. So we'll go ahead and do that. If any of this is helpful to you, you can like and share and subscribe and hit all the notifications. You can give this to somebody else by email or snail mail or carrier pigeon. Anyway, any way you want to really, I would appreciate that. You can get this on any of the audio podcast places. If you are just listening on audio and you want to see the video of some of these things that we're going to look at today, you can at churchpublic.com or sometimes YouTube when they don't take me down for some of these videos, which they've taken. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, thanks, YouTube. I love you. Anyway, so you can check them out. Audio, video, churchpublic.com. Check that out. And from now, let's go ahead and start with some of the news. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I get these things, I, I look at the news, I try to figure out what things are going to be interesting to us, and then I look at what I'm going to talk about and don't want to talk about it. But anyway, here we go today. We are talking about Miss Netherlands. You know, the Netherlands, like, you know, Netherlands. I happen to be of Norwegian heritage, so, I, you know, I appreciate that part of the world and it, what comes out of it. However, <laughs> not, not this. Anyway. So the Miss Netherlands, the Miss Netherlands, I don't know how to say this otherwise, people. The Miss Netherlands is a man. So if you are just listening, you'll see the picture here of uh, Miss Universe, who is a woman at this point, and Miss Netherlands, who in fact is a man. A male model who identifies as a female won the Miss Netherlands crown, making him the first trans-identified individual to win the title and the second to compete in the Miss Universe pageant. Cole, I guess is the name of this person, hopes to be a, quote, role model for all young women and queer people, end quote. I, I gotta say, I don't understand how a man can be a role model for young women, but maybe there's a lot I don't understand. All this from uh, the person who now owns and runs, apparently, the Miss Universe contest, who said this earlier. From now on, it's gonna be ran by women, owned by trans women, for all women. Thunderous, thunderous applause there. Now, again, if you're just listening, you may have picked up, you may not, but you may have picked up that the trans women, 
who was owning the Miss Universe pageant, now run by Weeman, is not one of those. But, you know, this is the world we live in where up is down and left is right and and good is evil and evil is good. And that's just kind of the way that things are going at this point. So there we go. All right, let's keep going on. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, back in the good old U.S. of A., a school in Wisconsin is forced to let boys use the girls' restroom. Now, I know we bring you these stories all the time, and it's it's not that different, but but the reason I wanted to bring you this story is it is not California, it is not New York, it's not Washington, it's not Oregon, it's not the coasts. This is Wisconsin, straight in the middle of the United States. And Wisconsin is saying now that boys have to use the girls' restroom if they want to. A federal judge has blocked a Wisconsin school district policy prohibiting students from using bathrooms intended for members of the opposite sex in response to a lawsuit filed by the mother of a 11-year-old trans-identified boy. So hear that again. We're talking about 11-year-olds. 11. All right. Quote, our school board is committed to the safety, privacy, and wellness of all students and will vigorously defend its position on these matters. And quote, the superintendent asserted. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what to say to this. Um, apparently not the safety of the little 11-year-old girls who just want to use the restroom with no boys in it. That is all I really want to talk about that story. I just wanted to bring that to your attention and note that you should watch out for the schools and the places that your children are in. Because the courts, the schools, they want to get along with this LGBTQAIP hashtag plus plus Google emoji ideology, and they will do it if they can. So watch out for that. Or even better yet, get your kids out of these schools. All right, we're going to look at this viral video that was going on. And I was going to play this video for you. I've decided I'm not going to play this video for you. You can look it up if you want to. But there was a video of this lady who was um, on a plane and she was freaking out. Actually, it seems like there's a bunch of plane freak out videos lately. And this happens to be one of them. Um, again, I'm not going to play you this video. This is just a quick screenshot from the video. This lady is on the plane. She went viral for saying, hey, there's somebody sitting back there and he is literally the devil. And I'm not going to go on this plane with this devil because I don't want to die and you guys shouldn't either. So I'm getting off this plane and I don't care about any of the rest of you. There were some other colorful words in there. And again, that's why I'm not going to play the video. But essentially, that's what she had said about it. So this went around the Internet and everybody was laughing at her and saying she's crazy and drunk and whatever. And she's just responding to just ridiculousness because of just being drunk and, and swearing and seeing weird things in the back of the plane that aren't real. And maybe that's what happened. However, <laughs> in in the completeness of the story, which I think is the interesting part, maybe a twist ending, if you will, if you were writing this story, there was actually a Satan-worshipping lizard guy with face tattoos sitting next to her who said he was literally Lucifer. Yes, this is a real story. I am not making this up. Let's hear directly from him. All right, so the internet has heard the story of the woman on the plane with the reptilians. But thanks to her delaying the flight, I just got home, so now it's my opportunity to tell my side of the story as the guy in the hoodie. So we're attempting to fly out of Dallas-Fort Worth, and then basically this woman, she sits next to me, and she's clearly been drinking. I'm minding my own business, and sure enough, she sees my hoodie. That hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm pausing, I'm pausing right here. Now, I... I got to pause and say, again, if you're not watching, just a picture of a guy, uh, the video of the guy, and he has, I would say, quite a few face tattoos. 
Now, he says, if you just heard, he's just minding his own business. Uh, I can't remember who invented this. It's called face tattoo syndrome, but I like it and I'm going to use it. So if if you know who invented this, you can attribute it to them. I'm not taking credit for it, but it is a true thing that I think happens. This is the thing where you color your hair crazy colors. You tattoo all over your face. And I don't know why, but I would say for attention. I don't know why else you would tattoo your face except for getting a lot of attention. So you tattoo your face. And then someone notices that you have tattoos all over your face. And you say, hey, stop looking at me. Why do you notice me with the tattoos all over my face? Well, it's because, sir, you put tattoos all over your face. So it's like, do you not want me to stare at your face, which you have tattooed? Why else would you tattoo all over your face? This is the face tattoo syndrome. So when he says, hey, I'm sitting there minding my own business, not, you know, are, are you though? Because you are the one who tattooed your face for attention. And now you're mad when people notice that you have tattoos all over your face. Okay, that's neither here nor there. But it is kind of part of the story because if you didn't want attention or didn't want people to look at you or ask you questions about what in the world you're doing, why did you tattoo your face? Okay, let's keep going with this and then we'll see what happens. Has this Freemason logo on it. And on top of that, she noticed my ring, so she started to... Uh, sorry, I'm going to pause one more time. Sorry. Uh, again, if you're not watching... There's also a lot of tattoos over his hands, and he has apparently rings on, which are special Freemason, satanic rings, something, something. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Ask questions. Nothing dramatic. Just ask me, do I know what these symbols mean? Why am I wearing it? What's the purpose? Yada, yada, yada. And long story short, I basically just say, hey, I'm a Freemason. I even briefly explained how I educate about Freemasonry here on TikTok. Next thing I know, she basically starts to grill me about low-level Freemason and that it's all Satanism and that it's ruled by reptilians and blah, blah, blah. So I simply put my hood up and I started to ignore her and basically just mind my own business. She starts getting louder and louder and then basically she's like, you know that they worship Lucifer at the top, right? So I, I looked at her dead in her eyes and I said, I am Lucifer. I heard one individual... <laughs> okay, so again, I'm sorry. Usually I let clips play, but... So this lady who got just hashed all over the internet because she said there was the, literally the devil in the back of the plane and she didn't want to ride on the plane with the devil was told by this face tattooed person that he literally was the devil. I, okay, I'm just putting pieces together here. Let's, let's keep going. Individual laughed behind me, so I figured somebody got a kick out of it at least. She starts running up and down the aisles, freaking out, saying I'm a reptilian and then all this other stuff. She's going to get off the plane, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't show all the footage. It just says that she's trying to get off the plane because of, you know, I'm not going to say it here on TikTok. I don't want to get banned. But then also talking about how, like, I'm secretly also trying to take over the world. So I looked back at the guy that was basically chuckling before and I winked at him. So I basically whispered something under my breath saying that eh, Freemasons don't care to rule the world. We rule the universe. And I looked back at the guy that was laughing before and just kind of winked at him because he started laughing again. Well, I didn't think that she could hear me, but evidently she did, and it actually escalated it even further, and then they delayed the flight, and so on and so forth. So, moral of the story, don't believe everything you hear on the internet. And Freemasons don't care to rule the world when we rule the universe. Uh, so, your moral of the story is, don't believe everything on the internet. When you just confirmed that she literally saw the devil on a plane because you told her that and that you were trying to rule the universe. Uh, kind of seems like 
her story is confirmed and you did say you were the devil who was trying to rule, rule the world or the universe or whatever. Okay, listen. Uh I I <laughs> I don't think this person is actually the devil. Let's let's start there. Uh, I think the lady, you know, may have been drunk. I don't know. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is this is a world in which there are spiritual forces. We read about that in Ephesians 5, 6, and that we do need to watch out for uh, Antichrist, the devil. I mean, the, you know, w this is the thing. And was there really a Satan worshiper lizard face tattoo guy who told her he was literally Satan and he controlled the universe? Y yeah, yeah, apparently there was. Now, would I have left the plane? You no, know, probably not. I might have prayed for him because, quote, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, Jesus, Matthew 28, 18. And I'm not worried about a disturbed guy who worships Satan and tattooed his face. I know the same God that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me, Ephesians 1, 19 through 22. Now, can Satan and his minions cause a lot of trouble and pain down here on earth? Sure. Is this a joke? No, I don't think this is a joke. I think this is real. I think the spiritual warfare is real, Ephesians 6 again. And we have this armor of God to protect us as believers in Christ, also Ephesians 6. If you don't know, I, I'm not going to spend the time right now to go through Ephesians 6. I've done it before on the podcast. You can look back in the archives and look at the armor of God. You can search that if you want to, um, or maybe at a later time, I'll go through the armor of God and kind of talk about each piece and what it means. If that's interesting to you, you can send me a message on that and I'll do that for you. But we need to know that we don't need to worry when we have Christ, because Christ does have authority, again, in heaven and on earth now, uh, as well as later. And we don't need to worry about this, but are there spiritual powers and beings and devils? Yeah, yeah. And was this lady crazy? I'm not sure, but did she see this devil-worshipping, Satan-worshipping, face-tattooed, reptilian-looking guy? Yeah, 100% she did. So... Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting story, and we need to remember that one of the things this culture wants to do is convince you that the devil doesn't exist. Convince you that there is no spiritual reality. It's just material. It's just, you're just a bag of flesh. You're here for 60 or 80 years, and that's it, and that's the end of everything. And the reality is, that's not, that's not it. The kingdom of God is a kingdom where we have this corporal, this, this fleshly body, and then we go somewhere. Uh, I, I'm going to suggest you follow after Jesus so that you can have eternal life with him. Uh, but there are uh, there there is another option, and I, I hope you don't choose that option. But if you do, that'll be of uh, of your own choosing. Anyway, let's continue on um, with some movies because this movie has been making waves, and uh, I saw it on July 4th. When it came out, it was wonderful, highly recommend it, and I think we need to talk about it. Uh, I didn't clip it because I wasn't sure how YouTube and the other video places would respond to me clipping it, but you should watch the trailer, you should go watch the video, uh, go to the theater, support this movie. This is The Sound of Freedom. It is a fantastic movie, um, and by fantastic, I mean it's really good, it's really, um, it's really disturbing, it's really sad. Uh, it's really hard to watch at some points. They, it's nothing really graphic, but you know what's going on, and it's about child sex trafficking, and uh, it's it's really it's really disturbing, and it's a reality that is going on. The weird part about this story is the media hated it and said it 
didn't exist uh, or whatever. It's It's been a really weird and interesting uh, experience. So uh, on the other side of that, when it came out, it beat Indiana Jones on its first weekend. It beat um, on the 4th of July week, and excuse me, uh, it beat Indiana Jones and it was the number one movie for that weekend. Um, and that's that's fantastic. I, I love that. I love that people went to see it. It's still I think I saw today that it hit 100 million or something like that. That's fantastic. And, and again, just hope that it continues to grow, that people will continue to see it. Uh, the mainstream, it, it actually was owned by Disney at one point and they did not want it. They did not want to produce it because of reasons and there are weird things like it has been blasted by the mainstream media. I'll read you a couple of headlines from the mainstream media. Rolling Stone said, The Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie with dads. I'm sorry, for dads with brain worms. <laughs> the subheadline is, quote, The QAnon tinged thriller about child trafficking is designed to appeal to the conscience of a conspiracy adult boomer. End quote. That's... <laughs> That's nice. Anyway, the Rolling Stone author goes on to say there are worse social issues that could have higher priority than child trafficking. End quote. Um, <laughs> really? Really? So there are worse. I, I, I mean, I guess there are worse things, but is there are, are there worse things than child trafficking? I mean, that seems like a terrible thing that I, I, I don't get frustrated very easily. I just don't. That's kind of my personality. But this idea that people use children uh, for this really gets my blood boiling and and uh, I it it's really enraging uh to think about the people that do this um and and are there other things that are higher priority I mean can you remind me again who was listed in Epstein's black book oh we still don't know and probably will never know yeah I, I guess it's all just a conspiracy and none of this really takes place uh anyway Another article in The Guardian featured a headline that said, quote, Sound of Freedom, the QAnon adjacent thriller, Seducing America, end quote. <laughs> Let's read another one. Jezebel, leftist website for women, ran the headline, quote, The Sound of Freedom is an anti-child trafficking fantasy fit for QAnon. I, it, it's like they don't want child trafficking to be a real thing, but it is a real thing. I looked this up. The U.S. State Department stated that. 27.6 million people could be victims of human trafficking at any given time. And according to the State Department in 2018-2019, the United States is again ranked as one of the worst countries in the world for human trafficking. So if it doesn't exist, why is the U.S. State Department saying that the United States is the worst place in the world for human trafficking? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in that report, Trafficking in Persons, that's the name of the report. It was created annually by the State Department uh, to document human trafficking. He highlighted the growing focus that government agencies and nonprofit organizations have dedicated to stopping human trafficking. The bottom line is, this is a troubling but I think informative dramatization of one real-life story where a brave young man, Tim Ballard, risked his own life to save the lives of children who had no other hope. I think we need to support movies like this, stories like this, but more importantly, I think we need to support agencies like Ballard's and some of the others, which find and rescue children from child sex trafficking. Let's let's try to do that together and not pay attention to this ridiculous media that I guess pretends this doesn't exist. It is the weirdest, weirdest reaction, I think. Um, and again, back to the issue that we talked about before with this airplane. I think the spiritual powers and authorities of this world don't want the ugly reality of human trafficking to be known to the rest of us. 
And yet it is a reality and is real and we should be upset by that and uh, and do what we can, even just broadcasting awareness of this or supporting the movie. All right. Um, from there. <laughs> oh, Disney. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about Disney anymore. Uh, but we will. So here's Disney again. Um, and here is uh, just a clip that was going around from from Disney CEO Bob Iger. And he claims that they did nothing, nothing at all to promote anything to do with the LGBTQ agenda. So here we go. No, you can't be happy when there's literally Nazis standing outside the front gates of the park. That was horrifying, quite frankly. And uh, it's concerning to me that anyone would encourage a you know, a, a level of intolerance or even hate that, in, frankly, could you know, e- even become, you know, da- you know, dangerous action that could be turned into, you know, some dangerous act of some sort. We are a preeminent entertainer in the world, and we're proud of our track record there. The notion that Disney is in any way sexualizing children, quite frankly, is, is preposterous um, and inaccurate. So from... The CEO's mouth, they are in no way sexualizing children or doing anything like that. It's preposterous. They would never put anything queer or gay or LGBT focused into their movies. Except for, uh, what's this lady's name? Latoya Ravenaugh, one of their uh, executives in, in charge of some of their animation, said this. That like momentum that I felt, like that sense of I don't have to be afraid. To like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background. This are, like I was just wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to like. The, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me. So wherever she could put it in, putting queerness in, no one would stop her. Why would anybody stop her? Why would anybody stop her from putting this content in? Because she was just putting it in wherever they wanted, and everyone was like, yeah, that's great. Put more in. So, yeah, Disney getting upset that you notice this is the the first thing. This is definitely not happening, but it is very good that it's happening. We've talked about that before, and it's once again an example of Disney saying, hey, check out our stuff. It's amazing. Uh, We're definitely not trying to indoctrinate your kids, but when we do, it's really important that we do that. (laughs) And, yeah, I... uh, We've talked about Disney enough. Actually, let's talk about one more thing. I, I saw this come up a couple of days ago, and I went back and forth about talking about it, but I think we're going to talk about it. This is uh, this is Snow White. And actually, here's what I want to do. I want to start this off going way back in time, 1812. The Brothers Grimm wrote a poem about Snow White. They weren't the inventors necessarily of this fairy tale, but they wrote a, probably one of the most famous versions of this. And in fact, the version that Disney originally used in his animated movie, Um, way back in the 30s. So this is 1812. And I I just want to read this to you. This is the opening of Snow White from the Brothers Grimm. Once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the flakes of snow were falling like feathers from the sky, a queen sat at a window sewing, and the frame of the window was made of black ebony. And whilst she was sewing and looking out of the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with a needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty upon the white snow, and she thought to herself, Would that I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Soon after that she had a daughter who was white as snow, and as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. She was therefore called Little Snow White. So quite literally, this story 
is about a girl that looked like the snow. Her very shape, her very figure, her very countenance, her very look was for the snow. She was depicted and called Snow White because she looked like Snow White. That was the whole point. So when I saw this picture floating around the internet, I laughed and thought, this is just a joke because memes are all over everywhere and everybody's doing memes of everything. So I thought, Haha, this is a funny meme, uh, you know, or a Babylon Bee, you know, or, or the onion or something. And sadly, uh, no, no, it's not. So this Daily Mail article says exclusive Snow White and the seven politically correct companions. First pictures of new Disney live action remake show Princess walking with diverse band of merry men and women after Roe uh, using dwarf. Uh, I'm sorry, after rowers are over using dwarf actors. Excuse me, I totally like tripped over my words on that. Anyway, the point is, and, and I'll show you in a moment here if you're not seeing the screen, the quote unquote dwarves are in fact not. There's one that looks like he might be, but everyone else is not. And I know you're not supposed to even say dwarves anymore, but it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That's just the name of the story and the animated story. And that is just what it is. Um, so uh, <laughs> this is this is what we are. Here's here's just a picture of the dwarves in, in, in case you couldn't see the other one. And again, they're not dwarves at all. Um, so these uh, these pictures published by the Daily Mail feature Snow White accompanied by uh, not, not seven little men, but actors of different, quote, this is a quote from them, genders, ethnicities, and heights, end quote. So I read you the headline, and this, it went all around social media. Conservatives were criticizing the woke update. Um, and and as you noticed, uh, you know, here, here again is, is Snow White, who is, in fact, not white. And, I mean, it shouldn't matter... But at the same time, as I read you the beginning of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale, it just is clearly that is who the story is about. So why would you take out who the story is about? For what reason? I, I don't I, like I know we're not supposed to claim the R word, but uh, I, I don't know what else to say here. Like you have chosen Disney to remove a person who looks like the fairy tale so that you can have a person who does not look like the fairy tale. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know what to say in this, but, uh, but Disney, I mean, come on. Uh, and then of course, Disney who had been trolled for this whole thing, right? Uh, they, they were like, Oh no, we, we, this, they, they put out a <laughs> press report and said, quote, these are fake and not from our production. These these photos that the Daily Beast got, just fake, not from the production. And you're like, okay, okay. Uh, only then, later, <laughs> Disney said, well, just kidding. They're actually really from the production of Snow White, but they were not, quote unquote, official photos. So, so they are photos from Snow White, but they're not official photos, so they don't count, even though it's actually the movie. I don't know what to say here, people like this. This is this is the world that we're in where Disney is just changing everything and changing the fairy tale and changing the very nature of the fairy tale. And again, as I read from you from the Brothers Grimm from 1812, the nature of the fairy tale is the mother wants a daughter that is as white as snow with hair that is black as a raven. That that's what she wants. And that's what she gets. And the beauty of the girl 
is the point of the fairy tale, which we'll talk about in a moment because I want to unpack this fairy tale and a couple others for you to show you why that matters, because it does matter. And not that any race is not beautiful. It's just that this particular fairy tale written in 1812 had a specific point to it. And to change the specific point to it is to change the fairy tale. If you want to make another fairy tale about another thing or another race or another whatever, I don't care. Go ahead and do it. You can do whatever you want. I I would read it and enjoy it if it was a good story because I like a good story and I like a good moral and I like a good fairy tale. But to take a fairy tale that is real and has been around for 200 years and change it just because you want uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's really bad form. That, that's bad form. And it breaks the whole fairy tale, which I'll show you in just a moment. So Disney reversed the claim and told the Daily Beast that the photos were actually from the set of Snow White, even though they weren't official. Uh, it was written by the director of Barbie, or Barbie's Greta Gerwig, um, that adaptation uh, of Snow White will not feature Prince Charming either, and will instead focus on a, quote, stronger Snow White who dreams of becoming a leader, end quote. <sighs> Boy, I'm going to, yeah, we'll talk about the fairy tale and why that ruins everything in a second. Uh, Mrs. Ziegler previously addressed reports that the film was trying to be, quote, unquote, politically correct because the story needed refreshing. She said, people are making these jokes about ours being the PC Snow White, and she said, yeah, it is, because it needed that, <laughs> end quote. I, uh, so, so the point of this director, writer is we need to make this PC politically correct, that is, rather than make it a good fairy tale that tells a moral story, which was literally the point of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to get to that. So hold on, because I'm going to get to the moral of this story, and a couple of others, just some extras that I'm going to throw in for you as a bonus in case you were interested. Uh, but one more quote from this director. She said, quote, our version is a refreshing story about a young woman who has a function beyond someday my prince will come, end quote. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's it's like they don't study the the topic of English. I don't mean the language. I mean, like, when you go to school and study English and study literature, it's like the people who wrote this didn't study that at all and don't know fairy tales at all and don't know that the point of fairy tales, because many couldn't read or those that could, needed more picturesque depictions of these moral tales so that they would make right choices. Because the point of fairy tales is for you and especially your children to make right choices. That's the point. And maybe this is the point for her. Maybe the point for her, this director, is that you should make right, quote unquote, choices. Her right choices, unfortunately, are not right, which we'll talk about in in, in a second. So I want to get to some of the morals of these fairy tales, because I think this may be helpful for you if you haven't thought about it this way. I'm actually start with Beauty and the Beast, and I'm not going to go long into these. I, I could, and I, I kind of want to, but but I'm not right now. And, you know, again, send me a message if you want me to go more into fairy tales, because I actually love stories. And I think fairy tales are great stories that help us understand who we are, who God is, and, and how the world relates to all of those things. So Beauty and the Beast, for instance. Beauty and the Beast, uh, though you've maybe seen the Disney movie, maybe you've seen the Disney live action remake. What it is really about, if, if hopefully you didn't miss this, but what it's really about is you are not beautiful. And you have to be loved before you can love. The beast is actually you and me. I know I know you all want to be Belle. And I, I'm sorry to say, that's not what this story is about. It's not about you being Belle. 
Bell is actually a depiction of of kind of a godlike love figure. I know that's kind of weird, but but that's really what's going on here. And the reality is that you are the beast and you are under a curse and you cannot love until you are loved. And once you are loved, then you are transformed into beauty and you become love. And that's 1 John 4 and, and other parts of 1 John. We love because God first loved us. That's what Beauty and the Beast is literally all about, though you probably have never heard that before. Let's talk about Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty is a rather weird tale, but it is also about God. It's about how death in you and I is very tragic and yet a reality. We're all going to die. And yet her death is slowed through the spell and the slumber and the entire kingdom is cursed along with her with death. And the only antidote to this death is a savior. And the savior brings freedom of the curse for the whole kingdom, which is incidentally surrounded by thorns, which as you read, especially the Brothers Grimm, uh, uh, or, or not the Brothers Grimm, as, as you read one of the original ones, the king, the, the son of the king, the prince that goes in, actually is surrounded by the thorns in a ring of thorns, or one might say a crown of thorns. And he's the only one who can offer salvation to the castle. I know you probably haven't heard that version of it either, but read it again, maybe watch it again with that in mind. Then finally, we get to Snow White. And of course, Snow White, one of the, one of the surface level themes is vanity. And, and that vanity is dangerous. And that's, that's probably the first thing that a child would get when they read the initial poem. That the evil queen, right, the original mother of Snow White dies, and the evil queen, the evil stepmother, comes in and is obsessed with her beauty, um, or so she thinks. She has the mirror, talks about talks to the mirror, says who's who's the fairest, who's the most beautiful. And she's obsessed with this beauty, but in reality, she was ugly. And she was ugly on the inside because of her prideful vanity. But Snow White was both beautiful on the outside and on the inside. She was pure. Her pure snow appearance was an analogy, an analog of her pure heart. She was pure snow on the outside because she had a pure heart on the inside. This has nothing to do with race. The whole point of it is she is snow white inside and out. She is purity inside and out. And yet she goes to live with the outcasts, the ugly dwarves who were despised. And even despite her their outward appearances, they were happy and they sung. They loved their life. And side note, she was rescued and married in the end because marriage and family is the highest value of society, which is why when you take Snow White and you say, well, she's just going to be a powerful and strong woman and we're going to get rid of the whole prince thing because the prince doesn't need to rescue her because Snow White doesn't need to be rescued, that ruins the entire story. Because yes, you do need to get married. You do need to have a family. That's the whole point of life. I know not everyone finds that, but that is the point of life. And you can have that. It's necessary and possible for everyone. And if you want to go really in-depth and go really spiritual, which, of course, I do, Snow White is an image of Eve, and her stepmother is the devil who offers her an apple, and then she dies and goes into the darkness with the dwarves, and the only one who is able to help her is the king, the son of the king, which is how he's referred to. He's actually not referred to as the prince in the, in the original. He's referred to as the son of the king, and the son of the king then leads her back to life from the death that she was in down in the pit, the, the sleep, the slumber. 
And I, I mean, this is the reality of it. Uh, you know, Snow White is the image of Eve and, and, and she is pursued by the evil stepmother who is the personification of the devil. And she's even tempted by an apple. I mean, has anybody not noticed this? <laughs> like, this is clearly a salvation story. And then when Snow White dies and goes underground with the dwarves, the son of the king comes to rescue her. And this is all about death. Because let's be honest, everyone is scared of death. Everyone's just scared of death. That's, that's the reality of it. And especially children. Children are scared of death. These tales personify the reality of death with the intersection of the hope of the kingdom of God. And when you begin to remove that, with all of this weird wackiness, you've just removed any possibility of hope that you can give to not only children, but everybody. These tales are inherently multicultural because it doesn't matter what the hero or the heroine looks like. It's not about the look of the person in the story. It's about who the person is in the story and what they tell about humanity and what they tell about God. We all encounter death and we all need a savior. And it's just sad to me because, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I, I was a big fan of Disney and I was a big fan of, of what Disney represented for family. And now Disney just apparently hates you and hates me and hates men and hates women and hates marriage and hates family. And they only exist to promote their own morality, which is a weird uh, skewed version. And it's an intersectional Olympic reality uh, that whoever is the most oppressed and who doesn't actually teach you about anything except you're a terrible person and you have no forgiveness and no redemption is possible in this life or the next. That apparently is their goal. I, I don't know how to put it another way because that's what I'm seeing in all of these new movies. So you can watch it if you want. It's fine. It won't hurt my feelings. But no, this fairy tale, this new retelling is not about morality or reality or good morals. The only thing it's about is, I think, making you feel like a loser who has no possibility or hope of a happily ever after. Because in their eyes, you don't deserve one. So you can watch it. You cannot. For the rest of us, I'll read this verse out of 1 Peter. God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. So for the rest of us, I hope that you grab onto that, that reality that in Christ you do have hope, you have a future, and that's really the only way to do it. So these fairy tales used to teach us lessons about reality of life and death and life in Christ. And now they just teach us about dwarves who aren't really. Anyway, this is uh, Current Events from a Christian Perspective. Really appreciate you stopping by. You can check out churchpublic.com. And for the rest of us, this is Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, and I hope that you will keep the faith. <laughs>